Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Kutcher. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this second day of uh, June. June. <laughs> yeah, 2016. <laughs> My God, where's this year went? But anyway, <laughs> we're here with our co-host Jay Basser and uh, Alex Graham's in here with us, and and uh, we have someone else here, eight five nine. Uh, but Berta, anyway, Carol. oh, Berta. Berta, I'm sorry, Berta, I don't know your number. Yeah, hi, <laughs> yeah, Alex, hi, John, hi, Carol. And Berta snuck well, in. you're the, Berta you're snuck the one that always in. calls me. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, uh, we're going to talk about some DBQs and uh, IMOs and IMEs. By golly, I learned a few things here. You think you know everything, but I guess you never do. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I don't anyway, and I'm first one to admit it. Gerald, can we talk about the latest? Oh, the yeah, I, go ahead. Uh, go yeah. ahead, murder. Go oh, ahead. well, what we could talk about uh, at the, the end of the uh, TBI, the TBI, that's real important. Yeah. Uh, yes, it was a press release yesterday. Uh, Buck posted it. Uh, today, uh, I've had it, uh, and basically, uh, what the secretary uh, claims they did is that they granted equitable relief to more than 24,000 veterans following a national review of their TBI medical exams. Uh, those were exams processed between uh, 2007 and uh, 2015. And uh, it was conducted because they found out, and a lot of this had to do with work that Ben Krause did, if you're familiar with him, he's a lawyer. Uh, they found that the CNPs were being done by non-qualified medical people at the VA. Well, we never get qualified people. I mean, you know, we could have told the secretary that ourselves. Uh, but he did extend equitable relief to 24,000 veterans who it seems that they've already reviewed. Now, it seems to me the VA should have told them they were being reviewed because yesterday, at the same time, uh, we got a new member and an addict who was at 80% reduced, I mean, or was it 70% reduced to 60 because they said that they had made a cue in his exam regarding part of uh, his residuals for TBI. So, uh, I'm, uh, you know, there's been talk here. I think he, he has a hearing loss claim in progress. Vertigo, 
and even many years disease can be caused by hearing loss. So oh, yeah. he might have a way to recover that money. However, what I first thought was whoop de do for TBI veterans who already got screwed might be, oh, no, they found out a different way to screw them because they might reduce oh. some of them because of the review. I mean, I don't trust them, you know. I don't <laughs> trust them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, yeah. Dang, sorry, Buck. Left? you? Well, gee, I worked all day to uh, Gerald when he called me about the VA. Uh, I've been dealing with them for over 30 years, and I've never seen them as bad as they are these days. They've never been this bad. Well, that, but, that, um, that you're talking about that they were reducing, they were, I, I think they were peeling off at 30% on a queue because they were saying the vertigo was was uh, doing a pyramiding on, on top of a TBI rating yeah, they were giving yeah. him already. Uh, that, that Did you is see the note I left? Of, uh, yeah, but I didn't decipher it yet, Alice. <laughs> well, think of it like this. You know how hard it is for you and me to file a queue against the VA. Right. You know that the chances of winning that are about like, oh, I'd say .00001% at the outset. Even on appeal, you'll lose it, and you might get remanded for them to give you another brand-new screwing at the BVA a third time. But you probably won't win it, or if you do, you will finally win it on reversal at the CABC, where they finally say, you know, we we got to call you on this one. I'm sorry. Yeah, well... The VA, well, take that reading back and says we're cueing ourselves. A yeah. shoe is on the other foot, and they have to wear it. And if it don't fit, then that's it. And you can't take that money away from them. you got to oh, prove. No. Oh, man, you got to prove that. that It was an outcome determinative error. I don't think yeah. you can meet that high standard to take that back. What if the Raider uh, said, well, well, he has labyrinthitis in his ear? That's a separate ear thing. Four point eight five or eight seven in hearing it has nothing to do with TBI, really. Well, right. That's why I'm hoping that he can get the vertigo connected to the hearing loss claim that's still pending. Right. So that would that would screw them because they tried to screw him, but they did correctly say that he doesn't owe them any money because they admitted that it was their error. But that's not the point. That's not the point. But you can't take the regulation, which is pyramiding or .14, and use that as the reason for your cue. That would be the result of the cue, not the cause of the cue. So you get the cart before the horse there. The horse has yeah. to turn around to get the carrot. And he can't and just get, do it that way. you right. have a, a simple error compounded itself with interest, and everyone could see it. Nobody could see yeah, into yeah. the mind of what the Raider was thinking when he gave him that 30%. Now, how you're going to change that with the evidence, you can't reread the evidence, because we all know you can't do Q on the way the evidence was interpreted. But VA's but trying the, to do uh, I don't think you can meet that. But the press release from the Secretary that these veterans would be entitled to a new CMT exam. So that tells me that whether he had a bogus exam by an unqualified doctor in the first place or not, 
I feel he should have been entitled to a new CMP exam. Of course. Uh, maybe they gave him one, but I, I didn't pick that up from his message at all. Oh, I don't know how many guys I've dealt with where we've figured out finally that the Raider, the VA examiner, the person who was making the big cheese decision on the thing and looking at all the medical evidence, was a proctologist looking at uh, x-rays of somebody's back. <laughs> Analyzing PTSD. I mean, this is the kind of crap P- VA pulls. You know, they yeah. just grab and out of the uh, the guy mopping down the floor in, in the restaurant. <laughs> <hang up. laughs> well, well, the last and, and time sit I sit there and ask these questions to this guy. Well, uh, the last few they tried to deny on me. I, I asked them to cue themselves on it, and, and I'm one, and they reversed it within days. But I still believe it was the same guy that had medical review that fills their uh, water cup, the paper cup dispenser for their water cooler. <laughs> it, was, it was written by a, a medical idiot. But then again, hey, for all I know, maybe it was a real VA doctor uh, because uh, there's, there's more to it than that. And, of course, there's a lot on the Thomas situation, too, uh, that's hitting the, uh, the, the crap is hitting the fan. On Toma, uh, uh, I don't, I, I, you know, I, I won't even bring it up because it's just too ridiculous, um, and I get you angry. Uh, it was the case of the uh, Bean family. You're probably familiar with. Uh, he was one of the, the vets they killed at Toma, and the uh, in, uh, office of the Inspector General literally abused the family members because they kept pushing the uh, Inspector General to look into it. And um, uh, uh, VA is very abusive, let's face it. I mean, they treated me like Dirk when I went after them for killing my husband. But, you know, the funny thing is, I didn't have any problems with the General Counsel because they can read. They could read the evidence I prepared. I took them step by step. This is what they did, and this is how they killed him. It took them about six or seven years, and one VA tried to cover up what the other one did. I didn't have any problems with General Counsel. I don't know why these families even had to deal with the Inspector General because they don't have any pull. I mean, they—they're they're, not—that's not an FTCA case. That's not filing Lot Fifty One. They're just giving uh, recommendations and, you know, things that they found in the review of Toma. But, but there's still a lot of crap. It's 200 pages of that document that they just released on the hearing they had the other day. Uh, uh, have you read that, Alex? Um, if you're talking about the thing that Ben Krause pulled up, uh, you yes, mean about yes, the, yes. Uh, having the PTS or the TBI exams, is that what we're still talking about? Uh, no, for some reason I switched over to the other thing that he's been uh, <laughs> talking about. Uh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have done that. It, it, it's just a, a, the malpractice that goes on at the VA. It just irritates me because uh, I'm talking about two different things. You know why? Because I'm so angry. I could break all day and all night about the VA, but it'll all be in my book. My daughter's been on me for two years now. Mommy, write my book. Right. Oh book. man. Got, uh, yeah. In New York Minute. And in, yeah, and I'm and in the book I'm going to have all the documentation from the VA, the medical records and everything because I don't want them to keep killing our parents, Alex. And they're going to well, do that. 
I, that's what I'm do doing it? on the second book I'm writing. I think I'm going to just launch it from the house on, on uh, PDF format or even print them up if people actually want to see it on paper in an analog thing and they can sign up for the whole book or for the first ten chapters or a chapter that spec- specifies what they're interested in so they can focus on cue or earlier effective dates and they don't have to buy how to, how to put a claim together from chapter one to ten. Well, that, well that's, that's a good idea. Uh, we have a widow uh, who uh, just wrote a book, uh, and she mentioned it on Amazon, uh, mm-hmm. that she wrote a book about her husband. And to me, it is probably a lovely memorial to her husband. Uh, and and uh, I'm sure he's very proud of her, but he's dead. And her children will be proud of her because all of our veterans have to be memorialized for our kids and our grandchildren. But uh, the book I'm going to write, I'm not going to memorialize my husband. I'm going to tell everybody what VA did step by step to kill him. And at one point, I considered it murder when they were covering it all up. (laughs) You know, if we don't find out these things, they just are put under the carpet. But uh, I'm jumping around here, but you guys better get back to QGC because... uh, uh, I, I'm already mad about all that crap. Did you say? <laughs> we well, we didn't mean for you to get upset, Berta. Oh, <laughs> do you well, need a well, volume okay. or something? <laughs> oh, oh gosh, no! I am drug and alcohol free. Oh, well, you <laughs> the San Antonio, Berta, because uh, for next spring for the for the uh, Nova. Uh, conference, because I'm sure Chris Attig and Ben will be there, and he'll probably haul his wife Gretchen down there, but she'll have a brand new baby then. I think they're oh. they're expecting in, in October, if I remember what Ben oh, said in oh, Irish. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, and this, they've dialed back their life quite a bit. That's probably what gives them all the extra <laughs> To to write more frequently now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, geez. Well, the thing well, he about did a good remand out of the Court of Veterans' Appeals for event a couple of weeks back. So I, I, Bob Walsh told me about that. Said he he fought the good fight, but you know he's got TBI. That's why he's so interested in that and uh, not PTSD, but TBI from a I guess an IED or short round or something. Wow. So uh, Bob you know, Walsh. No, uh, Ben Krause. Ben? Oh, oh, Ben, yeah. And he yeah, made a lot 100%. of mistakes. Hey, he yeah. and Gretchen, man, they're a pair to draw to. They're, they're just like peas and carrots. They're the nicest folks I've ever met. But, you know, they're from Minnesota, and they don't even have any accent. Huh. <laughs> don't sound yeah, like they uh, rolled in from Norway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's done a lot. He's done a lot for veterans, Alex, and... Uh, he admitted long ago that he made a lot of mistakes with his claims when he started out. And it just goes oh, to show, even if you're a lawyer, this stuff is overwhelming. You know, you've actually got to know 38 in and out, you know. And uh, and like like Gerald and I were talking, like Gerald said, how many disabled vets can, can really handle all that? They can't. They can't. Uh, and, you're right. You know, they, they can't. It, 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 it's overwhelming. But let's well, talk about those um, the so-called um, uh, VA doctors that do the QTC exams. Oh, yeah. Well, they're, act- 
couple of them. They're pretty nice guys. I mean, they just read down that DBQ just like for me, you know, number one to number six. <laughs> they I do write the answers down. They they kind of flesh it out a little bit, tell me about it. And I was I was standing behind Butch Long when I when you when I was sitting there in the corner. I said, well, oh come on, Butch, tell them about when they came through the wire, how they overran your 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 position down there. And he goes, well, Judge, so he don't want to hear about that. I said, well, sure he does. How many of them did you kill before they got you? <laughs> Boy. And you know that old psychiatrist is over there just writing like a son of a bitch. <laughs> well, you got 50% right out of the box, so I guess we said the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, they, don't they, ever they let have... anybody tell you, well, you can't go in there with the psychiatrist. Hell, I was pushing his wheelchair. Nobody's going to cut me off at the pass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm still trying to figure out how the David gynecologist didn't stand for a uh, guy with, I think, a, a leg injury or a different situation. A gynecologist. You, you know, this stuff is bizarre. Uh <laughs> We couldn't make it up. Alex. Uh, you know what? You know, really... and... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I said to my daughter two years ago, Frances, who was going to read a book about disabled vets? Our nation does not really give a damn about them unless they have a disabled vet in their family. And that doesn't always mean to care for the disabled vet in the family either. And she, I said, nobody will believe what happened to Dad. Nobody will believe it. She said, Mom... Well, believe it. You know, and I started thinking about that. And, uh, yeah, she's right. You know, none of us are going to become millionaires selling books to veterans. (laughs) I told my daughter, I said, don't be thinking in terms of your inheritance from the proceeds of the book. Because, believe me, it's not that way. You know, we're in a very small club of people that really care. You know, but um, but like she said, it's either helps one veteran look at the medical records and start asking questions of their doctor, questions that might save their life. She said, then it's worth it, isn't it? And I said, yeah, you bet. You bet. But, um, but then again, you should see some of the CMPs they did on my husband uh, in, in a posthumous uh, way. They were absolutely outrageous. And um, abusive, uh, the same term that uh, Ben Crouch used regarding uh, the, um, was it Thomas Beer that was mentioned in the article, died? I'm probably yeah. saying his last name wrong, it was B-A-R. His uh, daughter came to uh, Ben's site today to uh, speak about it, to write about it. But, um, Boy, boy, boy. I, I can't believe you guys signed up for all this crap. Well, you know what? When I realized that Vietnam was going to be the last war, that I was going to be the right age to get into, and that there was going to be a lot of fun about 45 or 50 years down the road, and veterans would be respected finally. I I decided maybe I wanted to sign up and be in that war just to see what it was like. Everybody in my family's been in a war. It just 
It just seemed wow. like it wasn't natural for me not to be in one. Yeah. The the call of the wild of that sandbox in Southeast Asia was pretty strong for me, anyway. Being, I was a military brat, but I was a, my dad was a colonel when I went. No, I was a, he was a brigadier general when I went in the service. I think. Wow, wow. Brigadier, no, wow. he's major general. That's right. Excuse me, I take that back. He's vice commander of tactical air force under Spike Molmeyer, I think, when I when I joined the service. Yeah. And I wow. Was a Jump ahead of the law when I did it, too. <laughs> wow. Boy. I got arrested for drunken driving and reckless driving and breach of peace and a few other things, and my draft number was 39. My dad says, you oh. screwed up, son. I'm not paying for your college this fall. And I said, <laughs> you could sign up. I might help you to get into the Air Force instead of the Army. I went, okay. That sounds cool. <laughs> so I traded that. I went in front of the judge for my hearing, and I says, I'm giving up the right to go to college, Your Honor. I'm going to enlist in the Air Force if you'll just reduce that felony to breach of peace. He says, oh. okay, son, when you show me your AFES registration, and I'll sign off on it. No <laughs> so, kidding. Yeah, that's how I ended up in the service. It was a yeah. strong push from the judge and the, and the judiciary for screwing up four days after I graduated, but Still, the allure of Southeast Asia and Vietnam, to me, it didn't didn't find it to be something to be afraid of so much as I thought of it as being a great big adventure. It sure was. God, boy, how do you it? <laughs> An adventure. You know what? I think it'd be great. Well, it wasn't bulletproof. Well, I, I think it would be great if our Vietnam vets, Gerald, uh, yeah. would be willing to join us all uh, in a show sometime on Vietnam and on some of the funny stuff that happened there. Oh, some you funny can stuff happened. Oh, yeah. my uh, man. Some of the stories boy. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had some but Vietnamese who were flying with us up there in Laos, and they always kept a little... Silk sack with rice rice kernels, and they always flew with the banana. And they said, you know, if I get killed, take this banana and put it on my chest and, and put some rice kernels in my mouth to keep the celestial dog from consuming my, you know, the sweet meats in my oh, belly. That's the religious belief they have that. Oh, wow. Wow. Innards wow. right after they die, so you got to protect them with food. Oh, my. Put that rice in my mouth, you guys. Remember that. It's okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's all kinds Uh, of funny stories about that. They did some pretty rough stuff, too. I saw a documentary a few times. I I sit there and cry when I watch it. It was true. It was a documentary. This guy, Vietnam vet, had killed a, a young Vietnamese man and took a picture out of this Vietnamese man's pocket from from the body and kept it and always wondered about it. And he did a lot of research and, uh, well, he finally found the guy had a daughter and he found the daughter and he went back. Well, he started writing to her and he went back and finally met her in person. And they showed her coming around the corner and he had a great big bouquet of flowers for her and he went to hand them to her 
And she simply threw her arms around him and broke down in tears because the Vietnamese, of course, feel that he killed her father, but he was the last person with her father when her father died. There's a bond there, and the Vietnamese recognize that as odd as it, as it is. And he stayed with the family uh, for about a week and came back to home, and then even went back again uh, a couple times to see her. And uh, this is a young girl who could have been his daughter. You know, it, it's an odd thing. Um, uh, Viet- the whole Vietnam, the whole thing was crazy. So one would expect anyone to become crazy uh, in these situations. You know, and a lot of the Vietnamese people, well, my daughter was a Vietnamese linguist for the Air Force. She was CLI, top secret, uh, and she Vietnam twice. Uh, one of the teachers in her DLI school uh, killed herself. Uh, she was Viet- All the teachers were Vietnamese because she still had never overcome the PTSD she had from the Vietnam War. Um, it won't go away, Alex. I, I don't think it's supposed to. And well, I think it's just part- one of the most teaching moments in the world that I mean, I got yeah. reacquainted with the Ten Commandments. The first one, thou shalt not kill. Yeah, that's that's a big yeah. one. You oh. remember that? Yeah. Well, that was a that was a killer for my husband. He was an altar boy on a Saturday, and two weeks later, he was in uniform in the Marine Corps. And uh, within a short period of time, he was sent over to Vietnam. He had no idea where he was going. He had never heard of Vietnam before. And um, he was Catholic, and Cardinal Spellman came to visit uh, his unit and absolved them of guilt for the things that they had to do. And he had caused the death of some Vietnamese at that point. And he told me, he said, you know, with the Cardinal there, I felt a lot better for about a week. He said, but you know what? That guilt came back with full force. He never got over it. And, um, oh, yeah, there's survivors yeah. killed the hardest part Robert of that. Killed, I know yeah. that when I was a kid, I can remember when I was about, oh, about 13 or 14, my best friend's dad got shot down over there. His name was Captain uh, Bill Purcell. He got shot down in the F-105 via uh, uh, POW five years or something like that with McCain and those guys. And, uh I, they had to pack up and move off base because then, you know, because he wasn't going to be there anymore or might not ever come back. And the whole thing was so sad. And it was just one right after another. By the time I graduated from high school, I could, you know, I could name 20, 25 guys that I went to school with who all had their, their fathers either dead or POWs in North Vietnam. But, boy, but, and, boy. I'll tell you. Boy, it, oh, it, boy. In the in the gut. I mean, that's why when I signed up, I you know my attitude is, oh yeah, well you kill us, we'll come back tomorrow and we'll kill you right back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, you said something about um, learned, or maybe I did. Uh, you know, I graduated from military. I'm sure you know. Uh, in 2007, the American Military University. I was mm-hmm. the only civilian there, and I graduated with honors. Oh, were they tough on me. Uh, my favorite professors, it was bad enough I was a female, but the only civilian in, the, in a Marine Corps-run school, he, he thought he could break me. 
uh, he <laughs> had no idea how, how you know Vietnam has been part of my life since 1983. You know, <laughs> 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 to me he was a fifth aunt, but he was also a major. He had uh, helped develop the uh, uh, Gulf the uh, OIF OIF uh, war plans. But to make long story short. Those lessons learned in Vietnam were part of a lot of the work I did for thesis work and, you know, all sorts of things. I had to do play war games, do war plans. Uh, those lessons learned are so important today. There's not a single veteran who died in Vietnam or who was uh, disabled by Vietnam who, who did anything in vain. Because what they did is still important. It's not important to these uh, civilians out there who don't have a clue. And it's not important for a lot of these younger veterans and these high school kids. They're only going to see maybe a two-paragraph history lesson on Vietnam. It is important to the chief of staff of, of our, you know, our military and to our commanders, the people that control our, you know, our military over there right now in Afghanistan and Iraq. They studied lessons learned from Vietnam. Hey, the millennials are already sinking into this, or Generation Y, because I, I was in there in the emergency room on the 23rd of April, and I and the guy was saying, well, so what are your risk factors for having this heart failure? And I said, well, I don't know. Let's see, hepatitis C, but I'm cured of that. All these surgeries. I said, oh, yeah, two years of Agent Orange and Agent Blue, and the guy looked at me with this thousand-yard stare, and he was shaking his head and wrinkled his brow. He says, Agent Orange, what's that? Oh, a 30 no, year old. Are you kidding? Uh, is it ischemic heart disease at all? Was, he, he's a 10 years, uh, well, 10 years after the war. He's probably born, what, about 85 maybe, 95, 05, 50? Yeah, a little bit. Born about 85, 87. He's a doctor. He's never heard of Agent Orange. But, I mean, Boy. that's... Gradually going to fade away. All the presumptive diseases associated with hepatitis C are all going to die with us. And there, how many? There's only about 850,000 of us guys that actually were on the physically boots on the ground left alive right now. Boy, wow. Well, there's about Air America guys too, <laughs> and they're getting in on yeah. this. If they yeah. Yeah. Boy. I'd open that can of beans with Agent Orange and Agent Blue up in Laos and show my orders and have pictures of the the, the drums sitting there on the side of the runway at Long Chien. And, boy, I'll tell you what, that oh, the OGC sh- shoveled me into a J- J- joint motion for E-Man to shut me up and give me all my money before we could talk about Laos. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. I bet. Bob says, well, yeah, we want to do oral. We want oral uh, to talk about all the Agent Orange and Agent Blue in Laos. And two seconds later, before that thing even hit the ECF docket register, they had a, it registered their things. Okay, we'll give you everything you want. Boy, oh boy. Shut up. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And, you know, you never hear a veteran. I have never yet seen a disabled veteran who claimed any disability at all from Cambodia. I can't figure um, that out. You know, I flew over it a few times between Bangkok because we just, you know, your flight path coming out of Tan Chinook almost goes right over uh, 
Well, of course, it does go over, but you have to gain a little bit of altitude before you get there because about 1970, they started shooting at all those 130s that were pulling out of the Thompson Newton headed to Bangkok. They didn't have enough altitude by the time they crossed the border. Boy, 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 that's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, I never was on one that got shot at, but I do know the pilot that I with said, man, I'll tell you, you sit on your flak vest coming out of Thompson Newton if you're headed to Bangkok. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, 15,000 feet, one well, of them 50 calibers or 37 millimeters can reach that without any problem at all. Who's paying for those weapons? Well, all those weapons are leftover Russian and Chinese knockoff yeah. stuff. And they're boy, still using oh the same stuff 50 years later. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. <laughs> same caliber, same everything. I was looking for some tracers for in 7.62 because I remember those little green footballs coming at me, coming up to meet the aircraft a lot of times when they were shooting tracers at us. and. The Russians are the only ones with the green stuff. We had orange-colored orange stuff. They had some other Is things that? called smoke rounds. They left a little white trail of smoke coming up to you. Yeah. I thought I'd heard veterans describe green tracers in Vietnam. Yeah, same, not, same exact stuff. I found some, and it must be about 50 years old, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's in the old steel casings, not even in brass. Gerald, well, anyway, before we yeah. talk, I wanted to tell Gerald I've been just sitting here itching. Uh, Gerald started talking to me the other day about IMOs. He had a, had a handful of IMOs and IMEs. I said, well, now wait a minute, Gerald. You realize there's two different subjects. IMO is something you get from Dr. Bash, and IME is something that a veteran's law judge gets from what they used to call an independent VA doctor uh, opinion. And yeah, he didn't you, believe me. You, I, I could show it to you in a bunch of different decisions. Yeah, I, uh, I was always the, under the understanding that an IME was an independent medical examination. Uh, I'm and and an IMO was an independent medical opinion. Uh, one well, the of them where they put hands on and actually examine you, and the other ones where they look at your records, medical records, and make a opinion. But the uh, right. way Alex explained it, I was uh, I was certainly wrong. I'm glad he corrected me because. Well, I see it on your on had it all the time, and I, I don't think people understand it. Two, two entirely different I, concepts. I think like an IMO right. would be uh, Doctor Bash flying into Oklahoma, and you meeting him at the airport, and y'all finding a, a, a motel room or something where he can put you out on a bed and do your range of motion with a goniometer and do all that stuff, and then have pay him, and he'd write you up in an opinion. And then you'd show, give him your copy of all your uh, contemporary medical records from the service, your 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 actual medical STRs, and he'd use that, and he'd do everything else, and he'd examine you, he'd talk to you, he'd take ask you a whole bunch of questions, and he'd go home and he'd write himself up an IMO, and he'd hand it to you, and you'd give him some money. That's an IMO. No, 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 that's an IME. No, it is. That is that. 
MO based on Dr. the Bash medical terminology. Dr. Bash right says IMOs on medical records. When he comes and does an examination, it becomes an independent medical examination. And the way it's written up is completely different. The VA, the Veterans Administration, who writes these things and calls these things mm -hmm. IMEs and IMOs, has, mm -hmm. if you read 1,000, and I've read 10,000 or 100,000 BVA decisions, mm -hmm. you'll see it written up exactly like this. The veteran arrived, and his doctor said this, that, and the other thing twice. And his, his independent mm -hmm. medical opinion was that the blah, blah, blah was caused by X disease or jumping out of airplanes. And the VA examiner said, not so fast, just 50% or less. That it was caused by that, and uh, we don't agree with that. So the VA uh, uh, veterans law judge up there at the Board of Veterans Appeals says, no, both of these... IMOs are defective because somebody didn't analyze or take into account that he you jumped out of airplanes. The VA guy didn't say that, and, and then the doctor he hired to do his IMO didn't say that, well, yeah, he did a whole bunch of civilian parachuting after work, and he didn't discuss whether he maybe injured himself after, after being in the service or the 82nd Airborne. That veteran's law judge says, I'm remanding this for an uh, independent medical evaluation, not examination, evaluation. It does not involve the veteran being there for a C&P. They just bundle up two of those IMOs, the VA examiner's IMO and the veteran's IMO, and they send it to a VA independent doctor uh, that they VA hires, but every time they do this, they go find a guy that works at a VA right. So he ain't very independent in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, but, but the IME on. will state right there, it says we're going to do an independent medical evaluation. And yeah. the doctor read all the evidence in the, in the C file, and he read everybody's opinion, and it's his independent medical evaluation that... Veteran is 49.999% not service-connected because at least likely, not at least as likely as not, that it was caused by the service, so he goes home with empty pockets. That's what an IME is. That's what the VA calls an IME. It's a rebuttal to a veteran's uh, private IMO is what it is. It's VA's way of it's denying a, your it, IMO. It's the examination evaluation. They compare. They've got a board at the group. It's like the old medical board. Remember the old medical board? Yeah, but these guys will never set eyes on you. When the, the VA no. doctor who's doing this IME reads paper, he does it, and he looks at x-rays, he looks at goniometer measurements, he looks at this, he looks at that, but mostly he looks at that little checkbox where it says not service-connected, and that's about as far as this whole, it's a dog and pony show yeah. anyway. He's going to lose, just, but that's what it is, an independent medical evaluation of all the evidence. That's what an IME is, and about 99% of them are not in your favor and they're not your friend. <laughs> And that's what that's the difference between an IMO and an IME. In VA's eyes, you know, well, the VA's a little different. Describe it or something. Well, I'm going to give you an IME and I'm going to write up an IMO. It's well, he's welcome to say whatever he wants to in terms of terminology. But I'm I'm going by the strict definition of if you write IME, 
someplace and something you send to the VA, they're going to be scouring your record for some veterans law judge that sent something out for an independent medical evaluation. They're not going to be looking for a nexus letter from you. So what we're doing here is getting a, an independent evaluation uh, crosswise with an independent medical examination. examination. Mm-hmm. And the uh, they're M-E, two different animals. Evaluation right. of evidence, because you, there's never ever been an IME in VA history where a veteran attended a new C&P in order for the guy to write the IME. It never happens that way. It's, you've had all the C&Ps you're going to have when the veteran's law judge sends it out, an IME. It's just going to go sideways, and it's going to come right back to them like a boomerang. It's not going to be remanded back to the regional office below from where you live, a new C&P, a new opinion, and then maybe for them to write another SOC or SSOC and then send it back to the court or to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. This is... This occurs at the appellate level without going back to the regional office, and that's why an IME is so different from an IMO. You have all the IMOs you're ever going to have by the time you get to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, unless you send one in at the last minute in that little 60-day window. But all the IMOs are accomplished at what we call the agency of original jurisdiction. You're regional office, your Vero, your O, or whatever. That's where the IMOs occur. And if the VA chooses to deny, even if you have a really top-notch IMO, when you get to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, you can induce the veterans' law judge to, uh, and ask him for an IME. But, as I said, that's the difference of the two terms. You'll never see an IMO. You'll never see a veterans' law judge send out your claim for an IMO. Yeah, but ninety nine percent of the time your your IMO that you have is done by a certified specialist and you're up against their opinion from a nurse practitioner, so you you shouldn't have a problem there. Well, you know, that's the other thing that, that Gerald and I were talking about the other day when when we decided to go ahead and do the show was he was talking about DBQs and I I got an interesting story because I happened to watch the tape on it. But back when old Representative Filner, and I'm sure John remembers him. Oh, hands on, Bob. <laughs> became the mayor of San Diego, anyway. He, uh, uh, he uh, was questioning um, Undersecretary for Benison, Allison Hickey. It was back about 2011, 2012 there, just cranking up the VBMS and the whole idea of a fully developed claim and they're talking about the DBQs. There was already guys were uh, from uh, AMLEG and, and uh, VFW and DAV. They're all going, yeah, but there ain't no nexus box on here where you can write it's more likely or less likely or a box you can check off on all that stuff. And Allison looks old Filner right square in the eye with that perfect smile and them pearly white teeth and that blonde hair. She says, well, Bob... <laughs> This is how it works. We got a whole bunch of them forms printed up. We still got about a million and a half of them. As soon as them run out, well, we're going to start printing the new ones, and it'll have them. It'll have them. Well, nobody even blinked an eye, but it's an electronic form. Come on. A million and a half in hard copy? 
<laughs> you know how long it takes the electronic form? Feel... You could do that overnight. The, you know, the, the the night crew could rewrite the software for that one. Box 31. It's A, less likely as not, B, as likely as not, more likely than not, more likely than less likely. Yeah, but... Remember, the service. No, oh no, we got to use order, up all them electronic forms. We got a mess. And oh yeah, but in, the reason being, in order to change the form to add the, add the blocks to it, then they have to go into the master and they have to change the master and they have to get permission to do it and they got to record it. It's all quality control, and they don't want to do. And they have to get so many people involved to do the change, and it's got to be recorded and it's got to be published. Yeah, that was four years ago, pain, John. I, I think they could yeah. probably swing it in that short a period of time. Oh, I'm four sure they can, but I mean, I've I've seen every DBQ form going, and I have yet to see an opinion section on the DBQ form. Well, <laughs> that's why when I do all my filings or help, my, excuse me, let me rephrase that. Every time I talk to them <laughs> how they should put their filings in, I always tell them. Make sure, see, attachment A, see, attachment B, social security numbers on everything, initial them at the top and initial them at the bottom so they can't add anything in. Yeah. You have to assume these guys Proud of you. number the sheets. <laughs> There's just, I, I swear to God, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb when you get to the Court of Veterans Appeals where you say, well, here's my nod, Your Honor, and pages four through nine are missing. <laughs> so how, how can you tell? Well, they're numbered. VA is pretty dumb, you know. They 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 don't think anybody's going to notice that kind of stuff. Well, if, anyway, that I just wanted to make sure everybody understands that there is a very very real difference between an IMO and an IME. And if you use that term like IME, you're going to throw them off at the up there at the regional office and further up the line because they're going to be running around looking for some kind of BVA decision that had an IME in it, and they, they won't find one if you haven't got there on appeal yet. And I I prefer using that IMO uh, moniker, but spelling it all out for them because VA has taken everything I've ever given them in the way, shape, or form of a claim and changed it, remodeled it. Changed everything I said and said didn't said things that I didn't say and didn't say things that I did say. So I put everything, you know, like what does Bob call it? Uh, end tables on the furniture or something. He's got he's got a term for it where you put everything in quotes so they can't slide out of it. Hmm. But uh, you. VA, they're slippery, and the higher you go up, the slipperier they get in my book. The guys at the regional office, they're kind of like the cats and jammer kids. They couldn't put two and two together and come up with four on any given day, and that's why we lose there. But, of course, it's just built in that we're going to lose. 85% of us do. Twenty, If only 22% went at the BVA, there's still something wrong with it. When you go up to the Court of Veterans' Appeals, the 67 come back in your favor. That's that's pretty powerful statistics for anybody. I'm surprised the Court of Veterans' Appeals doesn't have a backlog right out the front door all the way down to the Washington Monument yet. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, you're, you're sitting there watching that python. It already went through the regional offices. Now it's up there at the BVA. 
pretty soon it's gonna have to go through the CAVC before the boa constrictor takes it up and out all those decisions. I think we ought to let 3M or Xerox or somebody just take over all the backlog at the BVA, hire attorneys, and when when you're done, the backlog's gone. You know, hey, fine, see you later. You, you know, you're terminated. There goes your medical. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> you know when you file, it goes into the pile. Well, I know, but if you had enough judges, and I, the last time I talked with my buddy that works up there, is a, he's a veterans law judge, and he's, I'm not even going to tell you his name, but he's a real nice guy. And uh, he told me, he said, there's 79 judges now. And the funny thing is, is they'll really, really roll your socks down. You remember back about a year and a half ago, Laura Eskenazi, she's the deputy administrator up there in charge of the BVA. She says, okay. We're going to take all them staff attorneys and make them into temporary uh, acting veterans law judges for 90 days, and we'll get rid of the backlog that way. Well, every time you take a staff attorney away from a veterans law judge, they're making him do more work, and all of a sudden his output goes down. The net gain from of stealing 90 or 100 staff attorneys and making them judges for a month put VA back they're behind the eight ball if they'd just been working and doing their 1.1 claims per day for the veterans law judges where they were assigned. And uh, it got them into even more trouble and more backlog than they were before. And, and my friend said, yeah, they threw that stuff in the trash can. They went right back to us, forcing us, putting a gun to our head and said, I want to see 1.1 decisions every day. And, you know, if you could crank out two, <laughs> you'd get a bonus. So that's where they're at right now. Seventy-nine judges, he told me, as of last, ooh, I think last email I got from him was about a month ago. Seventy-nine judges. He rounded up to 80. One case per day, five days a week, times 80 times one. That's 80 decisions. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's 84 if you add up all the point ones. But the bottom line is is that you can't dig out from 60,000 claims backlog if you're only cranking out 44,000 a year. I don't care how good a mathematician you are. You can't change that dynamic. That's taking one step forward and sliding back, too. But, uh, that's uh, that's what the VA's saddled with now. What did they think was going to happen when they sped up all the claims going through the regional offices? Where did they think they were all going to end up? And I, I, the planning involved in that, well, it's VA planning. We already know what that's all about. I guess we don't even have to waste our time thinking about it. Yeah, it's the same. Any disability system is the same. Government run especially doesn't matter. Well, Gerald, I think he's going to grab him by the you-know-who's with that spoilation thing. It's uh, They fought that tooth and nail ever since Dayton. I know Bronco Vet was telling me, he says he got in on that shredding scandal where they gave him that, that dispensation that says, you know, well, maybe we hamburgered some of your records. Maybe we didn't. We're not going to say whether we did or not, but it happened during that period of time that yeah. the OIG caught him with a big stack of stuff in the shredder room that didn't belong there. But well, I'm number one. 
But One thing, they sure got my uh, claims folder messed up and uh, messing all kinds of data because uh, when uh, Bob and I were up there, Lawyer Bob, uh, I submitted uh, uh, doctors, IMOs, we'll call them, of course, at the time, I was calling them IMEs because I had some doctors that gave me examinations. Uh, I didn't realize <laughs> I was probably talking outside of my mouth. But uh, uh, the lady there, the uh, DRO, she indicated she had never seen some of that stuff. And said, I, I didn't see this in your your claims folder. And we made it quite clear to her that the claims folder had been spoliated. And uh, uh, Bob Walsh says, I have uh, advised Mr. Cook to contact the FBI and that we take this matter to federal court. Uh, uh, because that's a violation of, of Privacy Act, and uh, also had other in other veterans uh, award letters in my claim folder. Had all their information, uh, phone numbers, uh, social security numbers, and addresses, uh, full name, everything, and. Well, don't feel pregnant alone. You should have seen my C file. All kinds of stuff in it. From all the way back to eighty nine and ninety, they were jamming in. Oh, Some other yeah. guy that was almost right after me alphabetically. It was in my file. I, yeah, let uh, they say let's just stuff some stuff in here. The guy probably can't read anyway. <laughs> and you gotta, send it to you. You know, your stuff is in somebody else's file. That's where it well, is. Well, yes, sir. It yes, isn't sir. in your file. Yeah. Uh, That's sad. Well, it's bad because she said, I said, uh, you know, and and then she goes to talking about DBQs, and I said, wait a minute. You want to discuss DBQs, and here I'm sitting with a bunch of IMOs. I said, in my opinion, the DBQs are, are worthless anyway. And uh, I said, an uh, independent medical opinion has got to outweigh a DBQ. They're just check the box and put a date in, and these DBQs, I'm sure veterans are going to find in the future, is going to come back and bite them hard. Well, uh, think if, about if it like you, this, Gerald. Ever since yeah. the War eighteen twelve or. 1945 or 19, World War II or whatever, the basic tenet of the three things that we need to prove our claim, injury in service or risk factor or whatever, injury now that's same or similar to it, and the note the IMO, the nexus letter from the doctor that ties the two events together. That's the what I used to call the Calusa Triangle, the shedding elements, the Hickson Principle, it's it's all one uh, the same project, but a DBQ, all that is is a snapshot of you today on June third, 
or June 2nd or whatever it is of 2016. It doesn't discuss what was happening in 1965. It doesn't discuss how 1965 relates to 2016. All it is is a examination of your body as of today on one tenet, one facet, like Parkinson's disease or hepatitis C or a neuropathy issue of some kind. It doesn't look at any other symptom or set of symptoms that might be related that could correlate with it, where you take all three symptoms, add them together, and say, oh, well, then we shouldn't be using this DBQ. We should be using the Parkinson's DBQ or the TBI DBQ or the PTSD DBQ. We shouldn't be using the one for personality disorders. <laughs> you, yeah. well, you got it. Not- as a DBQ doesn't do anything other than tell you how you are today. It has no use as an adjudication tool. It's a medical tool to rate you by. That's all a DBQ could be used for. There's nothing in a DBQ that says, and it happened in 1968 when I, my main chute didn't deploy and my, my reserve was kind of a streamer when I hit the field. Well, you know, Alex, I I come home here because I got to. I never did like DBQs ever since I first heard of them. I know a lot of people claim they like them, but I got to looking up here on DBQs. Now, here's something uh, because uh, they said be sure to have the the doctor if you have him fill out a DBQ. Uh, write a attach do a. a a statement attached to it uh, right. showing more likely than not. That's right. But the next read... That uh, is yeah. the IMO right then and there. It's not the, part of the DBQ. is just a physical examination. It's a CFP. Well, here, here's uh, what the uh, 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 the Department of Veteran Affairs say. Uh, um, the question is, should providers discuss the complete DBQ findings with the veteran? And the answer is, the providers are the most qualified to discuss the veteran's health, but cannot and should not offer any opinion to the outcome of the disability benefits claim, BBA, Okay, now, now let me, let me the provider make the decision on the veteran's uh, uh, disability claim. The provider should remain, remind the veteran that the examination and DBQ report are only one part of the total evidence reviewed by the BBA in making a disability benefit decision. So they're they're not supposed to make an opinion. Right, I understand. It's unacceptable. They'll throw the trash. When you said that you took that DBQ to your doctors and handed them, said, "Would you guys fill this out?" They looked at this thing, and they said, are you kidding me? They got about three questions into it. They said, screw that, went to the end that's and signed it. But they never, your, ever finished that's it. That's exactly what they did. And, and I got doctor. the... I got so, the this is, 
bogus. What's it? What purpose does it serve for me to fill it out? I'm not going to do it. Doctors are a proud bunch of guys. But the DBQs are designed for your primary care team to fill out, according to what I've read. Yeah, and if I, you go into your VA doctor and hand him that DBQ, he will fill it out. But he is pre- precluded by law since I think it was about April of 2010. Veterans Benefits Administration came down hard on the Veterans Health Administration and said, quit giving vets nexus letters. Quit writing IMOs for the veterans. And that was the end of that. So you hand them a DBQ, you get a DBQ filled out, and it tells you exactly how disabled you are as of today. That's all it's useful for. It's like having a C&P exam is all it is, but with nobody making... about whether your service is connected or whether it's even related to service. I just had a CMP exam, and he he said, uh, all this is is a DBQ, and he went checkbox, 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 yes, no. uh, You tell him yes, he'd say, oh, you said no. I'd say no, I said yes. And they put down what they want. Then yep. when I read my statement of case, I realize he changed it around the way he wanted. And That's not why only that, you don't, don't, don't waste your time on a DBQ. <laughs> Fill out your own, get your doctor to provide his nexus letter, whether it's Dr. Bash or Dr. Ellis or whoever yeah. you hire, whether you've got your own personal care physician in the private uh, uh, sector. Have him write the whole Nexus letter out. Don't give him a DBQ. That's an insult no, to him. I, uh, I agree. That's my personal opinion. Now, people do what from, they want out there. Doctor my, will say he's got an F2 hurricane situation going on in his hands and and, uh, and, and this and this and this and this and this, and they could peel all that stuff up and stick it in their own DBQ. And they could probably do it for the C and P that you're going to attend anyway. You're well, always you'll going to go find that your your, your doctor's uh, DBQ word for it. Come will on. not uh, correspond uh, uh, with your uh, supplemental statement of case. And mm-hmm. not only that, the DBQ, the idiot that fills out the DBQ, is not the one that. Uh, he turns it over to some position or a computer does it. I don't know. They probably got ten different negative scenarios for every damn question, and uh, so they just hit it, and the computer takes care of the rest, and it, it comes out position so and so says this, said that, and uh, you never even seen a position. But the only thing I can see a DBQ would be used for is if, on the offbeat chance you did win, <clears throat> stick the DBQ into the magic computer, and the computer would read it, and it would spit it out, and it would give him 30% because he has this, this, and this, but he doesn't have this, this, and this, and he didn't check off boxes this, this, and this on the DBQ. Therefore, he doesn't get 50%. That's all it can be used for. That's all it could possibly ever be dreamed up to be used for. That's right. It's a negative instrument for a veteran. Well, um, it's, it's but there not again, negative, that's my but it personal does, opinion. doesn't discuss how you got injured. It just discusses how injured you are right now, not five years ago, not ten years ago. 
not and, 50 years ago. It's and today, but what now, does that, how does that help make a, how does that aid in making a decision about whether it's service connected? It doesn't. You can't make that leap. Uh, uh, and uh, something uh, else it does. It wants to know the dates, the dates you first went to the doctors on with this problem. Exactly. Now, if, if if you had filed your claim back in 2000, but you never uh, went to a doctor uh, till 1999 or whatever, and then they, way the VA does, they jack around with you for another four or five years before you can get any kind of diagnosis. He said, well, according to this, we never started treating you for hypertension until uh, uh, 2010. Well, well, what they're going to do here, I see this coming. Uh, they're pretty lax right at the moment, possibly. But this is a coming. They're going to go from the date of the diagnosis instead of the date of your your yep. uh uh, when you uh, first file your claim, and that's going to really put the hurting on a lot of veterans. But if you have a nexus letter from your doctor and it says, well, that can make a difference. Yes, had blood pressure in 1992, and you file for it in 2014. 2014 is your effective date, not 2016 when they finally got around to doing a CNP. But I'll give you three guesses what VA always chooses and fights you for for two years. And that is that two-year difference in when they give you your effective date. Absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, and well, I think they're probably doing a little of that now. Um, of course, uh, but they're going to get rougher on it. They're going to get more strict. Uh, but uh, you will. I can you see, see what a they're getting disaster ready. coming Ab- with these DBQs. You know what they're going to do with sleep apnea? They're going to say, okay, we're taking away that 50%, and we're going to give you an operation that's going to clear up that problem back in the back. And if you decline the the, uh, operation, which will cure your sleep apnea, then you lose your rating. You opt out, Uh, yeah. If you Uh, get the the surgery done after six months of 100% or whatever they're going to give you for that, then uh, you're probably still going to drop back to about 10% or something like that because you're no longer entitled to 50%. You don't need the CPAP. You don't need. They're going to get you either way, but the bottom line is the easiest one is just point a gun at your head and say it's surgery or 0%, Jack. That's about what it's coming to. Mm-hmm. Of course uh, it is. But there again, that's my personal opinion on these DBQs. I'm well, not telling someone not to go get them filled out if they can get them filled out. If that's what they want to do, uh, more power to them. And I hope they get them filled out. But uh, uh, it's not going to make any difference on your claim unless you got a leg blown off. Unless you got a, you've lost one eye because you you didn't throw the hand grenade far enough and you yeah. lost little. You had a little blowback. <laughs> got got cut some of what you was throwing, but. You know, the bottom line is, is that's a SMCK or whatever, loss of use of an eye. There's probably some percentage involved in that. 
But if you don't fill out the DBQ and say, I'm blind in one eye, then, yeah, it's probably going to take you a little bit longer to get service connected. But that DBQ in and of itself is not going to be the determinant, except in those obvious cases where you go in, you're missing a leg, you got your purple heart in one hand, your combat infantryman badge in the other one. Well, those guys always win. I mean, that, that's a, that's a no-brainer. But for the you and the me's in life who don't have everything, all their ducks in a row, they're going to get denied and denied and denied before they win. But they're just delaying the inevitable. You, They know you're going to win. You know you're going to win. But it's, it's an inter- incremental game. You don't have enough money to just say, okay, Mr. Graham, here you go. You really do get 100%. Here, here's your money. They're going to play this game. I, here, here's 20. Well, I'm going to file a nine. Okay, well, then we'll give you 40. Well, I'm going to file my Form 9. Okay, well, we'll give you 60. Um, here's my Form 9, and here's my new ammo. Well, I'm sorry. It up to appeal. That'll take four years, and then you get 100%, and it'll come back to us, and we'll give you 100%. And they'll hold you up for six, seven years to get in your 100%, but you're going to get it. They're just going to make you wait. Well, they... Uh... If you they're live long enough. slick, and they're always changing. <laughs> oh, I've got 29 years underneath my belt. I'm, I'm pretty familiar with this program. <laughs> I listed some of those guys belly aching on hats. God, I've been doing this on the weight since 2009. That's when I filed my Form 9. I said, oh, shit. You ain't even got any grass growing underneath it yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, that's uh, only six years old. What are you talking about? <laughs> but I wanted to get bring certified here just for too long. Sit tight. But I wanted to bring something up that I've become aware of at this DRO hearing, and I'd like to put a, a bug out to to the people, uh, word out. The instant you go in and sit down. You're looking at the DRO, uh, Division Review Officer, whatever they're called. Uh, You look at them and you ask them. The first question should be out of your mouth or out of your attorney's mouth is has there been any communication written or otherwise come out of this office coming to me or, or my attorney in the last seven or eight days. Because we went through a DRO hearing. As soon as we get home, Lawyer Bob found one, and then I found one, a supplemental statement of case. Jesus. And it was mailed. Our DRO hearing was the 26th. This was mailed the 23rd. So, therefore, we had no chance of receiving it until we returned home. Here we're sitting in this meeting staring at a smug uh, DRO officer, and uh, uh, that is horrible. But she had already written a supplemental statement of case, and here she's sitting here uh, just by chance just by chance, 
uh, we had addressed with documentation most of the items that was in her supplemental statement of case because we went medical against medical, and that covered a lot of ground. Uh, but another question, after each individual, uh, like a doctor's statement or whatever, uh, uh, IMO, uh, you submit, ask them right then before you move on to the next piece of evidence, ask them if they have any disagreements with what you've submitted. Do they believe it? Is it logical? <laughs> you know, uh, do they have any issues with it? You should ask them after each individual document you give them, I think. That's what I'm going to do next time. Uh, anyway, that way if there's an issue with this, you're not going to wait six months down the road. If there's an issue, they should tell you if you ask them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I mean, I got home and I said, why didn't I do that? Uh, I did ask at the end of the meeting, do you have any issues, questions, or comments? Oh, no. Well, well something I should have asked in between each individual document because I was pushing doctors' IMOs over yeah. and... Uh, uh, we went through quite a few that they claim they hadn't seen, which I don't believe, but uh, I think they just see what they want. But I should have asked in between each one. That way, should it ever come back, we well, could have well, used, used that data against them. Well, think about this, first of all, Gerald. If you're finding these SSOCs in your file on this thing, why in Sam Hill are you having a DRO here and you've just gone backwards four years in time? Well, you know, Bob and I went through that. Originally, we were supposed to have a panel, I think, of three judges was my understanding. One or, you know, one one judge or three. You can't ever have two, four, six. It has to be an odd number. So that you well, can never ever have two judges be opposed to one another, one of them ruling your favor and one against you. You have to have a tiebreaker. Well, we we uh, we get there and find out their computers were down, their powers had been off, and Bob says, "Look, we're here now. Uh, they was wanting to put us off. Oh, yes. uh, we're here now. Let's get a tape recorder out and do it, do this." Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. But okay, but they had a DRO officer instead of a judge. You could have had a panel of judges and a tape recorder, not a DRO and a tape recorder. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's but, not the case. The way the the way the rules on this read, John, it's real. I mean, Gerald, it's real cut and dried. You file your notice of disagreement, right? When you file that, you file and say, I want a DRO review. Or you, they'll call you back or write your letter back and says, Roger, we got your nod. 
view, and you go, yes, I do. So then they put you in the slot for that, and they say, well, do you want a DRO hearing? And you say, yeah, and they put you in the slot for that. And the judge will do the hearing, the, the DRO will do the hearing, and then 16 months later you get off his dead ass and write your SOC up and tell you you lose. Yeah. Then you'd file your Form 9, and at that stage of the game, they'd certify your claim. But when you get that SSOC, you can always write them a letter back and say, I disagree with your SSOC. Here's some new and, new and material evidence on my claim, and here's a new, let's say, a new IMO, and you hand it to them, and they look at it, and then they still deny again. Then they issue an SSOC, still denying you. And if you don't answer that SSOC in 30 days, it's like a pumpkin, the carriage and the horses turn into a pumpkin and mice. And the Form 8, and off it goes to the Veterans Administration Law Judge in D.C. But if you're looking uh, at SSOCs in your C file and you're talking to a DRO, you see the problem. You should be talking to the veterans law judge. You shouldn't be having a DRO hearing. That 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 doesn't compute. You can't go backwards from those <laughs> Well, I sure have. I've been plumbed to the top, Alex, and then well, they bring me back from the TV. TVA remand. Lawyer Bob says, people done. They don't want this thing going back up the ladder." But, uh, well, I laugh about it. It's really not funny. But uh, this is the craziest thing he said in 35 years. He never said it. Oh, exactly right. And the problem here (laughs) is that this is why uh, the VSOs don't want attorneys involved in this. That's exactly right. Because uh, attorney walks in and says, what the, excuse me, pardon my French, but what kind of fuster cluck is this here? You got an SSOC in the file, and you're just now getting around to a DRO hearing? Isn't that yeah. getting way out in front of the horse somewhere here? This yeah. thing's at the Board of Veterans Appeals, not in St. Louis. We're just sitting here in St. Louis so we can talk to them, fill out the judges. Hell yeah, yeah. we did. What, what, we that, that's up. like a bait and switch. For well, future reference, well. Alex, yeah. the term we need to use from now on is. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Yeah, I got you there. Not that my computer screen before I come back on the show. <laughs> when Gerald first told me that, I asked him what he was going to do, and he gave me the information, and he said something about DDRO, and I said, DR what? <laughs> Yeah, we done been up the ladder and back down, Bob. Lawyer Bob said, I ain't never seen nothing like this. Well, he now said, he's lying. I'm about to let this go back yeah. up the ladder. How many times I've been remanded by judges and everything else? Courts. Remember last year when I filed that uh, uh, <laughs> extraordinary writ with Bob? Writ. I filed it, and, and he, he helped me file it, but I actually did it myself. He just... Had Heather kind of ghostwrite all the paperwork for it. Yeah. 
words. We we I got I got an SOC finally from those jerkwads down there in Seattle. Finally, after three four years of waiting for a decision, not a denial, but an actual SOC. They just they jumped from not doing denials and went right into SOC. So I said, okay, here, I'm going to file my form nine again. Bob suggested we do that just in case they laughed and said we'd never filed one. But they gave me an SS, SOC from a Form 9, and we filed that uh, writ, and they jumped in and did another thing where they gave me everything except for 100% on, on Porphyria. So they wrote another SOC and, and sent it up to the uh, Board of Veterans' Appeals. So, I mean... They can pretty much do whatever they want to do. They can go backwards in time. They got DeLoreans too, you know. Them, them time machines. They can they can hedge hop around and do SSOCs and then jump in there and do DROs. I don't I don't know what they think they're doing anymore. I don't know. Uh, I can't explain it, Alex. Uh, it's uh, beyond me. Uh, but uh, this is quite a deal. It's well, there was a bunch too. of guys that were coming on to had it, and and we were sending them out to Bob. Call Bob or call Allison. Remember back then, back in early yeah. or late 2015. Well, they've been sitting there holding an SOC in their hand. I've already filed a Form Nine. Call up Allison, and a week later they get their award. What happened to the BVA? I mean, they just jumped ship, pulled the thing back, ripped up the. Form nine and issued a rating. How does that work? Well, the regional not, offices are not constant across the country. Uh, each regional office operates differently, and they have a, uh, evidently their own set of rules. Uh, there's nothing constant about the VA, other than the fact that if they have an opportunity, they're going to jack you around. But they're going to screw it up. Yeah, uh, some places are worse than others. Some places uh, you get the right right people looking at your claims folder. You do have a chance of winning. But other places, I don't care what kind of evidence you got, they're going to jack you around. And, uh, uh, you know, there's always a negative bar- argument to any side of something. So... Uh, I don't know. I think Seattle wins it hands down. I mean, look what they did to me for 29 years, and finally it took an extraordinary writ to sort of semi-straighten it out. Well, uh, yeah. Um, But their VR&E office now, they've been denying me my greenhouse for five and a half years. (laughs) (laughs) They got the award. We're going on nine months. I still don't see anything out there. (laughs) It ain't indoors. It's growing in it. Well, the rhubarb's well, looking good. And the I'd like to piece. have some green tomatoes to fry up, but <laughs> I ain't getting them, I guess. But, well, uh, anyway, I just don't understand how they, they've gotten to this point where it used to be you file, you get denied, you file your NOD, you, you know, then they came out with the DROs, but they always had a DRO kind of review. I had one in 1990 before they called it that. They just had a senior rating representative listen to your bitch. That's all it was. It just meant yeah. GS-12 heard what you were complaining about instead of a GS-7. 
<laughs> and he just gave you a real super sweet denial instead of the regular denial. But uh, it, it, how can they hedge hop around and jump from a foreign mine back to an SSOC? It can't uh, be done. Well, they can do it. They did it on me. It was. Well, <laughs> how can you issue two SSO, two SOCs without having an SSOC? I mean, the moment you issue the second one, it's a supplemental statement. It's not an SOC anymore. That's what well, they did that to me. Was, that you was know. the last one I, we got when we got home was SSOC. Uh, oh, evidently, yeah. they can put them out pretty regularly. <laughs> Seems like I see a lot of them. But, I believe uh, I'd be crying foul, Gerald. Oh, I think we're going to cry, Bob. <laughs> you don't know what's coming. Oh, I, I, Bob I, said he's going to do it. Red I think Gerald's got it. this thing in the bag. I think that they're going to realize that this thing is so screwed up. This is way past whiskey, tango, frogstrot. They'll just say, well, you know what? It's easier to sort this thing out by just giving old Gerald equitable relief here. <laughs> yeah, they got to give me something. Not this file or just saying that it says whatever Gerald says it says, and that it will <laughs> work. Now we'll give him 100%, but he's only going to get us 100% for about last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they won yesterday. We'll start yesterday. <laughs> well, they've already meant exposure. Last week. They've already oh, made yeah. yeah, He's already he's got Parkinson's and, and he's got ischemic heart disease, so they're going to get busy. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, I don't beat anything I ever seen. I don't know. I've upset somebody somewhere. I don't see how I could have. I'm such a nice person. You take all your heart medication and don't do anything strenuous because, you know, they're gonna still going to try to wait you out on this thing. Oh, Think I, I know. They're waiting hard. Uh, imagine if you fight. had the DAV representative. You'd, you'd probably have five SSOCs by now. Oh, my God. <laughs> don't talk that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, the gal, you know, I got stabbed when I was in the service and lawyer Bob showed her my... Uh, that pulled it out. It wasn't in my records, but uh, showed it to her uh, where they had this big court martial thing and sent the guy to prison. But uh, she said, "Well, here's a here's your stressor letter." I said, "Yeah." <laughs> I said, "I've been stressored." <laughs> I said, "Can you pay me now?" <laughs> no. Time for about another six years, Gerald. Yeah. She said no, <laughs> but we can do a DBQ. <laughs> I said, oh Lordy. Yeah, well, I, you know what? I, if if DBQs came on softer paper, I could see a use for them. <laughs> I don't know. It could ought to come on toilet paper. <laughs> Only good I can see them for. Yeah, with a picture of Obama on the back of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't say that, John. I'm well, sorry. I didn't hear it. <laughs> Lord, keep your arm around my shoulder and your hand over my mouth. Yeah. No, you're fine. I don't think we have a rating on this show anyway. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I, I told mean, her, I said, I got a good scar. You want to see it? She said, you do? And I said, yeah, it's right down there, right uh, and I said, I'll drop my britches and show it to you, but I warn you now, I ain't got no underpants. <laughs> oh, Missouri God. fellows like that. Bob's eyes just bugged. <laughs> and I he's that. heading door to door. <laughs> I bet he thought I was the craziest fool he'd ever run into. <laughs> But you can't sit there right now trying to get a little humor in. My God, them are sick people up there in them regional offices. Well, well, I'm going to have to go feed my horses now. I think it's 5.30 already here. That's yeah. it. But uh, this show is rated PG for pretty good, so. <laughs> Yeah, we try to keep it civil here. Well, I, I <laughs> promise. <laughs> Pete, I'm gonna Pete, go have a sign made computer screen here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I apologize especially to the readership and the and the audience. I I'm not one to take take the VA's name in vain, and you guys know me better than that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well. And you're not even a sailor, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you should have been in the Navy. (laughs) Yeah, me too. You know, (laughs) those guys in the Air Force, you never hear an Air Force guy start swearing until we run out of ice cubes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Warm drinks, you know. Yeah. You think I said you'll cold. (laughs) You'll see us up there. You know how innovative we were. John, you gotta realize this. We take gin and, and quinine pills. We crush up the quinine pills to make that quinine taste, and then we take a club soda. If anybody had bottles of that, and, and, and pour that all together, and that was a gin and tonic. And plus, it was a great malaria cure too. Well, that's, yeah. that's a good deal. Quinine yeah. time. I don't know if you ever seen a submarine round of coffee. You'd you, you know. <laughs> that would be ugly. <laughs> I'll be around to turn, turn around and go back to port. <laughs> yeah, I've seen them. I've heard them. I've heard of them flying helicopters of coffee to them or planes and dropping it to them. Oh my God! Yeah. In combat, you have to for certain provisions that you have to a lot for. Yeah, I understand that, but you know, running out of ice. That's a, or, or having a generator break down to where the refrigerator couldn't make ice cubes. That, that was com- that was combat. That was yeah. horrible. That was right, you know, because we make jokes about that. War is hell. There's no doubt about it. But combat is something entirely different. It's far more severe. At least the Air Force number is. Know it is. Combat is too much. Well, drop well, the word down, but we're out of time. All right, totally out of time. PG, I'm going to remember that one. Folks, uh, be sure to go to Haddock. You got any questions about the VA or about your claim? And and uh, uh, be sure to, you know, they got a donate button there. Uh, if you feel up to it, uh, got a little extra change in your pocket, hit that donate button. 
and so I had it a little, little bit, kind of help them out, uh, keep this show going. We're uh, we've been working on trying to prove our content. Uh, I hope everybody got to learn a little something today. There ain't no telling. If you didn't, uh, you didn't write fast enough. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Alex, I want to thank you for coming on. Wouldn't miss it for anything. Well, yeah, yeah, you you would have missed the show, I think. And we thank Berta for coming on, bless her heart. Uh, she enlightened us quite a bit. And, John, uh, I thank you for being here. Uh, I don't know. I think we ought to put a little gold star by this show. They want on it, yep. Oh, we, oh, okay. I'll go on the board and pin it with a gold star and put it on the board and <laughs> Well, uh, good luck gonna... with your your underwater kitchen there, John. Yeah. We'll hopefully we'll <laughs> next week or next couple of weeks we'll yeah. do another show and I'll be all in. Yeah. Just make sure I get the right day. Yeah, yeah John, we'll he's gonna week. go to grow on rice. Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna become a rice farmer. <laughs> and he gets <get> bananas. <laughs> yeah. Keep throwing oh, that in my. your pockets there. You know, a half a banana and a handful of rice. Oh yeah. heck. I shouldn't have took that last water pill. It would give me the giggles. <laughs> yep. All righty. I'll yak at you all later. Bye-bye. Be careful, right. Alex. Have a good one. All right. This will be Gerald Cook with Jay Basser. We'll be signing off for now. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bastard Show. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.